Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, question for you. You know, I, I, I um, Ansel and I went to, uh, I'll get to the question, but Ansel and I went to Branson and the kids and all that stuff. We went, you know, a few weeks ago, we went down to Branson and went out to eat. Well, a year ago, we went down there to the same thing. And the only way we figured out where we wanted to eat is we checked TripAdvisor. Yelp, whatever, I don't care which, which it is. And, and on one occasion, we looked at, well, actually a couple of places. We actually chose to go eat there based on ratings, and they were really, really good. Um, this will sound weird coming from me, but one of the places was pizza. Um, if you know me, you know I'm not the, you know, I'm a little snobbish when it comes to pizza. Just born and raised in New Jersey. We had a really good pizza. People started telling me, like, Pizza Hut is pizza? And I was like, that's what? No, all right, so we won't get into that. But anyway, how many of you have ever gone out to eat based on the recommendation of TripAdvisor or Yelp and went, this is terrible? Anybody have a, you know? No, okay, all right, whatever. Bad example. We'll just skip and go to the message. No. Okay, 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 okay. Let's get a little more personal, okay? What if I gave you recommendations on like five restaurants and you went to all five of them and they were all awful? When I come with recommendation number six, how many of you then are going to listen to me? Well, you, you guys are pretty quick. I mean, this is, this is good. Masks and all, I can see your reactions. You know, there's a few gag looks. No, I'm just kidding. You know, no, you wouldn't listen, right? It makes complete sense. You would not, at least I'm hoping, that you would not follow my recommendation, right? Uh, I was hoping that you would say, no, none, no way. Um, and at that point, you're probably thinking I'm a little bit on the crazy side or just being nice, I just have a really bad taste in food, okay? But you just wouldn't choose to follow my recommendation. Um, and this morning, we're looking at another portion of the Sermon on the Mount, um, and these few verses give us some really good instruction that can be applied into the world in which we live. So let's read uh, Matthew seven. 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. If you remember earlier, I actually spoke on the passage a little earlier in the Sermon on the Mount that was on do not judge, right? And, but this is part of that referencing. At some point, where there is some, some judgment that's going to take place. We have to make some assessments and Jesus is giving us a very good paradigm for how to assess some things. In this case, 
speaking specifically about false prophets. Did I just compare myself to a false prophet? I'm just wondering if you picked up that connection yet. Apologize, that wasn't intentional, but hopefully you didn't. It just realized, you know, all right, whatever. So I'm not, like, it was just an illustration, okay? My bad, you know, recommendations of food, I wasn't trying to, but you get the picture. Okay, so what was a false prophet? What is a false prophet, right? We have to understand that. The, the concept of false prophet in the first century, they would have understood. They would have got, the, they would have understood that concept. When Jesus communicated that, they'd have been like, yup, we got this. Why? Because they were given very specific instructions in the Old Testament that they could identify what a false prophet was. Okay, so let's look at what a real prophet is so we can start there, right? And that would have been understood. The prophets who, who God raised up, right, that, that he had raised up among the people were called to do a few things. They were called to correct moral and religious abuses, uh, to proclaim uh, the moral and religious truths which were connected to the character of God, right? That's what they did. And, and the, the, the true prophets uh, helped do that, but they also, they brought correction to uh, Israel, but they also told what was coming, right? They, 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 they foretold what was coming in the future. Like, and if you read through the Old Testament, you begin to see the, all the messianic prophecies, the prophecies about Jesus coming as the Messiah, whether it be where he's born or whether he have a spear thrust to his side and you no know, bones broken, all those things. Those were all prophetic pieces. Now, they didn't completely understand it all the time when they were making prophecies they, they would write them down or whatever but they didn't always know for sure uh, that you know when this was going to happen now some of them were very current and some were off in the future so so the prophets but but one of the things that they gazed on probably why there was both the the current fulfillment and the future fulfillment was because one of the judgments of prophets is do the things that they prophesy come true right so we're getting there but um, the, the prophets were, were to communicate the message of God to the people. The downside of that is, and we know this, people tend to get in the way. They mess things up. And some will even try to use God for selfish motives or selfish reasons. So Jesus warns the people of his day to beware of false prophets. And unfortunately, false prophets don't wear a sign that says, I'm a false prophet, okay? Just like bad restaurants don't put a sign out there that says, don't eat here, their food is terrible, right? And they, just don't, they don't say that. And so it would be nice if the false prophet would wear a sign, but they don't. It would make it easier. Jesus tells us that false prophets will come disguised as harmless sheep, but are actually vicious wolves. Okay, and so he's using again a paradigm that they and a picture that they would understand the first century very, very well. Um, and you know, again, I get it now, but like earlier in my life, I wouldn't even understood, you know, sheep and wolves and all that. I, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I grew up on pavement, so it's it's pretty pretty simple. I don't understand much farming stuff. But then Jesus gives the instructions in verse 16 on how to identify people who are false prophets. Verse 16, it says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. 
Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You can identify them by their fruit, by the way they act. Like, like, and, and again, here, here you see this picture that Jesus is painting for the people of first century. Grapes and figs were extremely important. They were, you know, they were cons- consumed widely. They were very important to uh, life and health and food and all those things. And we all know that thorns and thistles were worthless and a pain for the harvesters. So Jesus illustrates it with that simple, clear picture. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the answer to that is no. And we know that answer is no. But that doesn't mean there isn't some things out there that give impressions that they would be good, but they're not really. Okay? And here, I'm going to show like my, you know, incredible agricultural knowledge here. <laughs> but I ran across a really cool plant that's not really cool. Um, it's called a buckthorn. Anybody knows what a buckthorn is? I'm proud of you. Um, I just happened to run across this in researching and all these things. But a buckthorn is an interesting plant that they started planting in the Midwest and in Canada uh, for, for landscape purposes because it was kind of a shrub that would grow quick. It would c- kind of look cool. It would have these, these berry-looking things on them. They didn't really look like grapes, so they could be confused with grapes, and they, they actually may even have something that could be confused by a fig, right? So it becomes pretty, pretty interesting. But here's the deal. It's actually now considered an invasive plant. They're cleaning it out along the Mississippi River Valley. They're trying to, I mean, you just look up Minnesota Natural Resources. They want to get rid of it in Minnesota, right? And here's the reason. It keeps other plants from growing. And it's a terrible source of food, both for people and for animals. It has no nutritional value for people or animals. Although the animals eat it, it doesn't do them any good. It's kind of like eating potato chips, except without the fun. Okay, that's all there is to it, right? There's, you know, I mean, it looks like a grape, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't look like, all right, if you like that stuff, fine. Ooh, but, potato chips. Um, it's not a good thing. So it just gets there. It looks good. doesn't fulfill a purpose. It's worth something. And so they're trying to get rid of it. So the fruit of the buckthorn is worthless. It's not to- toxic, but at least it's, it's worthless. But when we look at false prophets, again, what we're going to see with them is we're going to see their fruits and you're going to be identify them by the fruit, the fruit that they produce, the things that we see out of their lives. And it's important that we look at that and we evaluate it. And anytime there's a reference to fruit, it's important to understand what's probably meant there. So Matthew 7, 17 through 20, is a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Fruit really matters, right? There should be an outgrowth of fruit. There should be something growing from our lives that is good. And when we evaluate false prophets, it's all about their fruit. And so... Fruit for the Jewish people was a metaphor about both character and conduct. 
right? And so we look at character and conduct. And, and so one of the first things we got to look at really is evaluating theology, understanding are what being taught is the things they're teaching, is it biblically accurate, right? I mean, that matters. And here's what Paul writes to the church at Corinth, kind of give us an understanding of what Paul would maybe think about that. And in 2 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. Like Paul is battling here this tension and this, this propensity for people to to, to hear things that sound good that aren't necessarily right and begin to follow them. And the people of Corinth appear to be following all kinds of teaching, even if it's clearly wrong. Because we would understand that if it's a different gospel than the one we believed, if it's a different spirit than the one we received, if it's a different Jesus than the one that Paul's preaching and the one that's preached throughout the scriptures, then there is a problem. But evidently, the church in Corinth was struggling with that and they were easily being led astray. And Paul's concerned about that because that's, he was concerned about all of his churches, all the churches he was in, that, that he had had a part in planting and working with. He, he loved the people deeply, and so he was like, i got to protect you. And if we go all the way back to the Old Testament, God instructed Moses to tell the people how to determine if a prophet was a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18, verse 21. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Okay, there were a lot of times the prophets would speak about coming judgments and impending doom and, and wars that would not go well, and they were not necessarily from God. And so that's what they would understand. They had to understand... What is it? Now, important to understand this, because we'll get to it. Just because a prophet prophesies something that doesn't come true one time, do not take them out with the you know, trees you cut down and burn them in the fire. Okay? There has to be a little grace here, all right? So, you know, 1 Corinthians 14:1 says this: let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, if you want to learn more about that whole thing, you need to read through the whole book, the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. But as we get towards later in the chapter, verse 29, gives us some instructions about how prophecy works within the church. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. Okay? So let two or three people prophesy. Let the others evaluate what is said. Now, it's really important. Because when people speak, especially when we're speaking the things of God, that you actually evaluate it, okay? I'm actually telling you to evaluate everything I say, everything that anyone says. Again, does that mean if we make a mistake, now let's, you know, you don't have to be too, you know, rough on us because we're clearly going to say some stupid things live 
that you're, you're going to, you know, you'll be like, well, you didn't say that right. And you're right. We just said something wrong. That's just the way that works sometimes in the midst of public speaking, right? You just say things. They don't come out right. They, but they're not clearly theologically, well, they could be theologically wrong. They're not intended to be because it's just said wrong, okay? When people laugh at you and you know what you just thought you were saying wasn't funny, then you know you're in trouble. Or if people look at you weird after you've said something and you're watching them, then you know you just said something wrong, right? Um, this has happened to me in the past. It's, you know, um, one of the funniest stories in youth ministry for me. Um, I was using an illustration, um, and I said a word that I probably shouldn't have said because it just came out wrong, okay? But I don't know that I've said it wrong, and I don't know that I've said it, and everybody in the room starts laughing. And I'm like, you guys, it, it, it would have been, you know, a slight, well, I, I would have cussed at them. Okay, let's just be honest. I cussed at them. But I didn't know I cussed at them because I didn't know I said it. So they're laughing, and I'm like, you guys, what are you thinking that for? There's always a voice of reason in the room. And this time it was Angela. She goes, think it? We didn't have to think it. You said it. <laughs> I'm like, See, in those cases, you can't, you just got to like, okay, that was a mistake, my bad. And this is the way it works, right? But the church and we as individuals have a responsibility to listen to what we're being taught, whether it be in this setting or other settings or whatever, and evaluate it against the pages of Scripture, against the teachings of the Bible, and then also looking at the person delivering the message and say, what is the fruit of their life? Okay, what, what, what are they producing with what they're doing? What are they, what do you see? If you see chaos and crazy, there might be a problem. And then we also get to the place that does what the prophet prophesied come true. Look, we just can't keep speaking things that don't come true. So the second thing we need to evaluate is whether prediction comes true. Claims are easier to make or fake than results are. If we continue to listen to people just because they are confident in what they say, not on whether what they say comes true, we might have a problem. It's one thing to listen to experts when they give a football prediction than when it does to come to prophecy teaching the Bible. Those are two separate worlds, right? I mean, you know, after a while, we listen to people predicting, and you know, I know, right now, we're, we're, we're looking and predicting, you know, a Chiefs win, right? I mean, Brendan, I mean, this is, like, this is just the way it should work. And so we just believe that the team's gotten better, because that's just what teams should do, and they should win another Super Bowl. Too bad for you, Denver. Broncos fan. <laughs> But but like but we have people predicting that stuff all the time, right? In fact, there's usually well, it's not quite all teams get predicted to win the Super Bowl. There's some homers that maybe do, but but truthfully, you know, there's only a certain number of teams probably that have the ability to win that. But so we evaluate those things, and we evaluate restaurants. We evaluate people give us recommendations on stuff. We evaluate those things. We need to bring that at a much higher level into what we do with. The scriptures and with prophecy and with people teaching, we need to use it. 
Because character and conduct matter. What is the fruit that we're talking about? What should we be seeing? And a good starting point about fruit in the Scriptures and for followers of Jesus, for those that are teachers, leaders, or prophets, would be the fruit of the Spirit. So let's consider the contrast between the following sinful nature things and the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Paul writes, the church of Galatia, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, I realize there's easy. When we look at that, when we look at that, passage and we read that list it's easy just to read through them and just go oh yeah 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 but whatever whatever it doesn't apply to me because i have the fruit of the spirit <laughs> okay let's be honest but when you read that list of things okay when you follow the desires of your sinful nature okay the results are very clear now we might be able to tick off a few here and go, yeah, that's not a problem, that's not a problem, that's not a problem. But I want you to look at that list and go, Ooh, is there anything in there that applies to me? Whether we look at sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, I maybe slowed down for a reason, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Right, because we, we tend to read them, we see them, and there's this, this middle portion there. We go, well, I, you know, I'm not, I don't really have selfish ambition. <laughs> yeah, the first time you get passed over for a promotion you think you deserve, you might find a little rise up within you, right? There is some ambition there, right? And it might be selfish. It may be, no, I just want to provide my family. No, there might be some pride issues in there. There might be some other things, right? There may be some things. There may be some jealousy. There may be some, and you just need to look at that and, and, and allow God to speak into our lives. We all fight those kinds of things. And, you know, we can, you know, different parts of that. Look, right now, Right now, in our world, we might need to figure out what's causing division, dissension, envy, outbursts of anger. Right? In our world today, there might be a little of that going on. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just people that don't know Jesus. We got to look at our own lives and evaluate it and say, Jesus, help me not to go there. But on the other hand, would you, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do what this says? Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look, our world would be a better place 
if we all would continually strive to allow the Holy Spirit to produce within us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And truth be told, those are the kind of things we need to be looking for in the people that are teaching us, in the people that are leading us, in the people that are, that are, that are, are, are the prophets. How do we determine whether someone's a, a true prophet or a false prophet? Yes, it's, does their message line up with the, the Scriptures? Well, look, God's used some pretty crazy stuff over the years. Like he, he, that normal is He's going to use somebody who's teaching is lining up with the Scriptures. He's going to lose somebody who, whose life lines up with, with the fruit of the Spirit. There should be some fruits that are there that look like they're pointing to Jesus, right? And they should be pointing to Him. And they should speak truthfully. And we live in a world where accountability and truth aren't really valued. Right? Jesus didn't live in that world. And He gave a picture of what happens to the false teacher and the false prophet in verse 19. Okay? So understand that this is sort of a, you know, we, we kind of gloss over this a little bit. And we're going to spend a ton of time here. But, but so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Okay? Now Jesus isn't just referencing here trees. Okay? They do get chopped down and thrown into the fire, right? The, 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 the buckthorn along the Mississippi River Valley, they are throwing it in the fire. They are chopping it down and shredding it and doing everything they can to get rid of it because they don't want it. Okay? That's what they do with it. But Jesus is also speaking of judgment here of those that are false prophets. Okay? I, I know that doesn't come as like encouraging. That, that seems a little rough. But it was Jesus, right? I mean, he's the one that said it. And so it's important for us to evaluate the teachings that we hear just because someone has a platform doesn't make it right and true, right? I mean, like in, to, in the culture now, like anybody with a platform, which is pretty easy, you, you, can, you can speak all kinds of things and they don't necessarily have to line up with the Scriptures. People, oh, they sound good. If Paul faced it in the first century with the churches that he planted and led, it, it's clearly uh, information travels quicker today than it did in the first century. So we've got to be careful. As followers of Jesus, we must become more discerning in the world that we live in because so much of what we experience and see is attempting to lead us away from the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus, we know where He came. He came to seek and save the lost. And that translates into our mission, which is to make disciples of all nations. I think Jesus pushes us all to consider what will we do with Jesus? What will we do? How will we respond to Jesus? And how will we live life? So, I'm going to leave you with a couple of questions. They're not easy. They're probably hard questions. Will you find in Jesus, the source of transformation that will produce good fruit in your life? Will you find Jesus to be the source of transformation that will produce good fruit in your life? Or the alternative, 
Will you follow the prophetic voices of this world that hype a promise of life but will only take you into a life apart from